0: Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment-based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. Uh, Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um... It's uh before we even started. I was talking about I'm a coffee lover through and through. So when you started this and it started, I could see it online. I was really intrigued and interested. And I'm actually having a cup now, so I could refresh my I can refresh my memory as we as we go through this interview. But how would you describe yourself if you could use a bio line for yourself? What would it be for your life?
1: My bio on my Twitter handle is stolen from uh, Naval Ravikant. who's the the CEO of AngelList and an investor, he's sort of a modern day tech philosopher. Um, And he has this saying called, strong opinions loosely held. And I really like that um, because it's sort of a way for me to say that I'm very open for life and that um, I'm always kind of open to change, open to learn and always just liked it. So strong opinions, but loosely held.
0: Uh, Tell us a little bit about you growing up. Where, how, what did you get into when you were little Greg?
1: little greg man little greg is not too much different than old greg uh we still like all the same stuff i think which maybe is sad but um no so i I was born in gloucester massachusetts small fishing town uh if you've ever seen the movie the perfect storm or Manchester by the sea that's that's where i was born uh my entire family were fishermen um my grandfather my father was the last one to kind of pivot and so my father pivoted he moved to south florida um in 1989 and um became a car salesman and then kind of worked his way up to becoming kind of the gm of toyota so i grew up in south florida and i had like the most stereotypical 1980s childhood in suburbia like i played nintendo i went to taekwondo i liked baseball or t-ball all the time and i would watch professional wrestling and i would read comic books and um i was just like riding my bike around town like i was very typical 19 quintessential 80s 90s kid So you liked wrestling even since you were a kid? I liked wrestling since I was five years old. My uncle brought me to a local house show, which is like the non-televised WWE shows. Mm -hmm. And um, this big wrestler jumped the guardrail to scare all the little kids, but I would not back down from, his name is King Kong Bundy, would not back down from King Kong Bundy. Um, and I kicked him like in the shin or the ass or something as he ran away. And my cousins would not shut the fuck up about it. My uncle would not shut the fuck up about it. He was like, "Greg is, you know, fought this wrestler." And and so like forever, uh, you know, it's like Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles, professional wrestling. Like those, that's what I kind of grew up on. And yeah,
0: I've I've loved it. Continue to love it to this day. Um, now I know you mentioned in uh, in those questions you were in, you went to Calgary in your thirties to be a pro wrestler. What made you decide at in your thirties that this is something that you wanted to pursue? I like, I, um, I, I read this book called the four hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss,
1: um, which is a great book. If, if anyone out there, uh, is kind of looking for kind of how to escape the rat race. Mm-hmm. And, um, in this book, he talks about retirement and his, uh, concept in the book is called mini retirements, which I've done for the past you know, 20 years or 10 years and mini retirement is essentially saying like, you're not going to turn 60 and retire and like want to see the world. And as a 36 year old now, I can relate to that. Like, even if COVID wasn't a thing, I barely leave my house. And so, like, the odds of me 60, like being full of piss and vinegar and wanting to do all this stuff when I have the money is kind of silly. And so, mini mm-hmm. retirement sort of breaks up your retirement. And so, the idea would be to work for four years and to take a year off and to work four years and take a year off. So, the first one I did, I went to Thailand. I picked up some Muay Thai. So, I did martial arts, uh, mm-hmm. true to that. Another one, I just kind of stayed in New York City and I just, you know, uh fooled around, lost a bunch of money, didn't really do too much, which is sad. And then also uh, on this third one that was coming up, I, I said, you know, I really wanna do something. Because my last one, I didn't really like do anything. You know, I didn't pick up a skill. So I was trying to decide, should I learn an instrument? Should I learn to code? Um, and I was at dinner with the one and only Rachel Ma and she said, um, I think I don't know if I said it or she said it. She's like, it'd be really cute if you had like a birthday party where you were like a wrestler and you like trained to do a match or something. And maybe you could like learn to wrestle and I was like oh my god and like um so yeah that game became really real I, I researched um Lance Storm who is <laughs> the greatest professional wrestling trainer um ever and so I was like if I'm gonna do it I should go do it right and so I really quickly bought a plane ticket to Calgary lived there for three months uh you know didn't drink ate on meal prep wrestled eight hours a day that's just all I did and uh, it was to this day probably like one of the best experiences of my life. So uh, it started as a mini retirement, but it like, you know, turned into a fun little hobby.
0: And are you still doing this? Or I I read a little bit somewhere that you had, you had torn your meniscus. So is this a recovery, a kind of a pause for it, not a retirement from wrestling?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so the truth is DJ, is that I will never be like WWE champion. And I'm not going to make it to that level. I am too small. I'm too old. I'm not that good. Um, and so like, I, I just, I look at it like how adults have like a softball league or like a bowling club or something. And that was kind of like my hobby. Um, 2019, I was in a match in Jacksonville, Florida wrestling with F E W and, um, just a really simple misstep. And I had already torn my ACL meniscus from uh, Muay Thai, um, mm-hmm. ACL is rock solid, but I re my meniscus in that match, which I'm sure, you know, is like not the end of the world, but it's not fun. And so, um, I went and just recently got a PRP shot it's feeling pretty good right now um I, like i said i'm just now working with an athletic coach and i'm meeting with him today and we're going to do some leg mobility stuff so the goal is to be back in the ring hopefully in the next few
0: weeks uh next few months at least really nice and your wrestling name is Brody vice that is correct and who gives you your wrestling name is it something that you can create or is it is there a persona that somebody else like does for you no, I'm very
1: proud of that name. I think it sounds cool. Um, I, I, so I, the, I, the story behind Brody Vice was me, um, Brody is from uh, Mallrats. The movie Mallrats. Have you ever seen it? But oh yes, yes. His uh-huh. name is Brody, and I was just kind of related to him growing up. And I was going to name my son Brody if I ever had one. And so Brody is the first name. And then my best friend works at Vice, Vice Magazine. He's one of the oldest employees. He would worked there for you know for the last ten years. And so I was just talking to him, and Brody Vice kind of clicked in my head. And It just sounds cool. I have I don't know if you've seen the tights. If you look at my character, yeah. pink, blue, Miami Vice kind of thing. So uh yeah Miami
0: scumbag character which is just a fun to play and 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 I like it I like the name it sounds cool yeah I was looking at um I was on Instagram I was looking at all the pictures It's a it's a different world that I have I know nothing about so just kind of scrolling through and looking at all of the the following it has is it's pretty impressive yeah Yeah.
1: so weirdly not different from your guys's world uh there's so much in common when it comes to the choreography and when it comes down to the you know, making eye contact with your eyes and then kind of connection with the crowd. There is, um, in, I would say, an equal le- level of athleticism. That, you know, people think because it's fake that it's, like, easy to do, but it's similar to, like, Cirque du Soleil or something like that where it's it's really, really, really difficult to do all the things. You have to almost have three brains, right? You have, like, the character brain mm-hmm. brain, and, you know, not hurt killing someone. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the fan base, um, it's so funny, you know, comic books – wrestling, uh, entrepreneurship in this tech world. I, I almost like I love all of these things, punk rock music, but like the fan base can be pretty intense for all, all of those things. And sure
0: you know just don't mind the trolls and, and have fun. Yeah absolutely you can't get yourself down on those with those people. But you did mention previous to to talking about wrestling that you were at Twitter in a previous in a previous retirement before all that. Tell us a little bit about that. Twitter is really interesting. So, um, I, you
1: know, I, when I um, graduated, I, I was a punk rock kid. When I graduated um, college, I didn't think I was going to have like a real job. I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, my dad's been in sales. So I figured I'd go in sales, right? Started off in like selling timeshares in Orlando, Florida. Yes. And it was like a boiler room thing. And that like, it was a total scam, but I just did really well at it because I wouldn't lie to people. I would... Um, I would tell the truth to kids like us. And I'd be like, hey, you know, like you're kids like us, you know, this 18 year old kids that would just basically be like, uh, you know, in college, I'd be like, hey, you're, this is a timeshare thing. You don't have any money. So they're not going to try to trap you in the room. So you could just get a cheap vacation to Florida. They'll see that you have no money. They'll let you out of the room and they're going to trap the family or the dad, you know, yeah. people have money. And so people would sign up with me because they were just like, yeah, fuck it. hundred dollars mm-hmm. Florida. If I live in Ohio and it's snowing. And so I just did really, really well. Like I was making like, I want to say like $5,000 a month in Florida. At, in college. Wow. So I was like bawling the fuck out. And this is why I never had, you know, I worked at like movie theaters and restaurants and stuff. Before, mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, this is all I'll do until I die. This is a great life. But I, I did hate the job. It's very boiler room. It had an auto dialer and stuff like that. So I got yeah. I was lucky enough to get a call from my friend, Rory Stern, my friend, Dana Proman, who were in a, a, a small tech startup in New York city. And essentially, it's the same job. It's calling people and da 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 but it's legitimate. This is a venture-backed, serious angel-invested like company. Um, and I just got so lucky with that because it moved me to New York City. You know, I wasn't doing too well, but I got quickly promoted there. worked really hard. I really, like, it was my, you know, just to give you an idea of how stupid I was. Like, I, I thought, real job. I got to dress up. So I wore like a suspenders and a vest yes. and but like, I looked like a screamo front man. I didn't look like a, like a smart business guy. And I walked in there and everyone's in hoodies and t-shirts like Silicon Valley. So I, like, I just, I've tried really, really hard at that job. And that company did incredibly well. It actually went on to um, IPO for like a billion dollars. So, nice. so that like, like was my first real job. And basically I was then after doing some consulting and living in Thailand, taking some time off, Twitter reached out to me. Mm -hmm. but it was a really interesting case because it was a company that had just got acquired by Twitter and they were in the process literally of like signing the papers and moving. So I knew I was interviewing for Twitter the whole time, but the interview process was so informal and so weird because when you read about these big tech companies, it's very common to have like a three month long interview or a six week at the minimum, you know, you're doing Mm -hmm. people. It's very like they do these brain puzzles and it's like, you know, it's, it's really hard to get these companies. Mine was a week long. It was like meeting with someone. They they talked on the phone. There was some negotiation. I got the job, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, how is it so easy to get into Twitter?" Lo and behold, I would find out that it's just this small company that was just like they liked me and they were going to hire me. And then like um, they knew their, you know, I I knew I was interviewing for Twitter, but they didn't know the Twitter process to hire people yet. Gotcha. So I think if I had to go through the actual Twitter process, I'm not sure I would have gotten the job. But I snuck in the back door of one of the biggest companies in the entire world. And again, I really got lucky with the team that I was on. So I sold ads, um, you know, the sponsored tweets, and I would sell like retargeting for tweets when it was like kind of early days for that kind of stuff. And just got like all the right clients. I worked with all the right account managers and and salespeople. And just it was the easiest job I have ever had in my life. Hmm. But it was because you know you're not. I went from having to call people on the phone cold and say, "Have you heard of X?" And they'd be no. nobody's never call anyone up and be like, "Hello, sir, have you heard of Twitter?" You know, it's like yeah. they're coming to you. So very different worlds. There were yeah. challenges, lots of challenges in Twitter, but it was like more learning about relationship management and learning about um, just like how to kind of be a grown up in in sales world. Right. And I, a a boy but i felt really out of my depth there for a very long time
0: now is that when you first started was that your first time to new york city did you just up and leave south Florida and just head over to new york
1: yext was so i had been in new york for uh like four or five years before okay twitter uh but yext was basically like that 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 got me up there and funny story about that they, they interviewed me on the phone that was a week long too i didn't think i got the job and then i would come to find out that place was really lazy and like the not lazy, <laughs> lazy i'm sorry lazy is the incredibly wrong word they're really hardworking, very unorganized that's a startup and so they basically forgot that they had didn't send me the offer letter and they did the friday at like 6 p.m like oh shit we gotta so i thought i didn't get the job they called me and i was in bed with my girlfriend at the time and we're like okay you got the job and i was like great you know, I'll be there in, like, six weeks. Let me just figure out my stuff, apartment stuff. To like, we start Monday. And so, like, I had, like, four days to move to New York City. I threw everything I owned in, like, a duffel bag. I threw everything away. I packed a duffel bag, and I went to New York City with no place to live, no plan. Um, the, the the president of YX, Brian Distelberger, at the time, let me sleep on his in his office on his couch uh, for, like, the, I think the first two weeks. Or, the, no, not that long, but maybe the first few days. I was sleeping in the YX office. Um, and I guess they had crashed on friends' floors and I just made it work and I was making like thirty thousand dollars a year at
0: YX base salary before I got commission. Mm-hmm. It was um, That's tough that's a tough salary in New York City. A lot oh, of people might think thirty thousand is a great depending where you live, but in New York City that's a pretty tough salary. Thirty thousand is a fantastic amount of money to make in South Florida,
1: um, because you don't Everything here costs a dollar, and there's no taxes. But in New York City, it's like making fifteen thousand dollars a year, yeah. and it is not. It's very expensive to live in New York City, so it's not like oh, you're just making half. You're making half, and things cost twice. You're really making like a quarter of what everyone else makes there. Um, and it was because they gave us free food through Seamless, so we we get oh, yeah. three meals a day. And there was a website called MyOpenBar.com that would show you where all the free happy hours were. And so at night, our friends and I would be like, okay, there's a Versace fashion show in Harlem where we can go and get that. And then there's like an avant-garde, uh, you know, performance p- art piece in Bushwick that's doing Budweiser's out of a cooler. And like that's, we would track our night that way. We talk about it all the time is the most fun we've ever had. We got to see all of New York city. Yeah. Uh, the drinks were free and it was just like, you know, you drink what they give you. So you're drinking like vodka, lemonades, and then you're drinking, it's really, um, I would, I wish there, I don't know if there's something like that now for New Yorkers, but if you're broke in New York, fine. There's something like that. Obviously not now, but you get rolling again. Um, it was, I can't, I look back and I don't know how I do that, but it just speaks to, I guess, how maybe, um.
0: I had wish I when I lived in New York City, I wish I had something like that because we would have to do my friend group would always have to kind of write in our phones which hours people had happy hours because there were some that did like three to six, some did four to seven, some did ten to close. So you always had to shuffle around. I wish I right. had I wish I had hmm. an app like that
1: like looking back, wasn't that like super fun that you did that instead of now? I mean, nowadays, you know we're all older and I feel like we'll go to the same bar every day or something. It's like. Yeah. I really miss the um like the randomness of those mm-hmm. times and, and I like the um the scrap the scrappiness excuse me of that time and it's I, you know, I'm just thinking about it now and it's just like a really fun time I've to yeah. bring it my friends.
0: Great yeah. nostalgia and all of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um so we've already discussed two jobs that you've had and you've taken many retirements from. What gives you the courage to like leave and say, Hey, I'm I'm gonna take this time off and then start again with somebody else?
1: This is like one of those things that made from the outside. I get this. This is a compliment. You asked the one what's a good compliment I get. People say I'm really good at taking risks. And I would actually counter and say that I have like a genetic default. Um, and it's a problem. It's like a flaw that like I, I, I that, that job, I've been telling you, Twitter is like a job that people would fucking kill to have. Yeah, it's like was not ever lost on me. Like I told you my history. I'm very blue collar. I didn't go to a nice school. I don't have rich parents. So like, walking away from that job was like a stressful two-year decision or a year long decision at least. And I just was so depressed and so unhappy because Mm -hmm. I felt like at my first job, I I ascended decently high. And so I was like a, a sales manager there and I was, I would like to think somewhat respected and my opinion really mattered. I talked to the CEO. He's still one of my best friends to this day. And so like you go from that to like just being a sales guy at Twitter where like you don't matter. I could not show up for work. For five days, the product sells itself, and you're just sort of like, it's very easy. But I felt useless, and I got. I, I, it's tough to explain to people that I felt depressed, and so mm-hmm. I just hit this thing where I'm like, I, I, I you know, I talked to Rachel, I talked to people, and I'm like, I can't do this. And it happens a lot with me when I would work for other people. I just, I knew this is like really fucking um, pretentious or whatever. But I knew that I was meant to work for myself, and I knew mm-hmm. that I like, I, I had to, I had to, and so. I could have worked anywhere in any title and made any amount of money and it wouldn't have been enough for me because just mentally it was like I got to take time off and and do stuff. Like I know that like I've spent a lot of time, I guess, with older people and I respect my grandparents and all this kind of stuff. And you always see them like regretting the things, like regretting working and regretting. stuff. It's like I've just always been hyper aware of that. So I have always, and I think there's a wave of people like us now that, that they're just optimizing for experience and lifestyle mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. money. And so I'm not like a unique person in that, but I just am consumed by it. So where people see it as like this courage thing to walk away, it's like, I just, I, I have to do it. I wish I could actually be a little bit more stable because then I would have a lot more money to take these risks, but I just go crazy and I have to, I have to run from these things.
0: Yeah. Um, in part of that risk um when did you start developing this coffee brand was it in was it in that little window or did was it after you decided to leave it was at
1: twitch so i i started the concept and idea of new wave in like 2016 maybe oh wow so this has
0: been this has been a long time in the making
1: but like when i say starting i mean like literally only i knew about it in my brain and i just like you know so what happened was and i wrote about this in my blog uh kind of introducing the coffee to all my friends and and and, you know coming out to the world with it which was like i worked in new york city for a long time i like drinking i like drugs i'm doing like you know three red and and i should clarify because i know like uh miss angela and i know rachel is are going to listen to this podcast i mean like i'm doing like smart drugs and 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 uh like you know like safe safe kind of stuff, so nothing too crazy. I'm not like you know doing heroin under the bridge or anything <laughs> um i'm I'm drinking a lot and i'm and I'm staying up really late and you know four in the, you know New York start drinking at like you know five o'clock pm' You're out yeah. four in the morning and then you gotta get up to you know six o'clock and so get like two hours of sleep and I'm doing this over years, so I really like really mentally and physically burned out. I aged like a, a president in two terms is what I said in my blog where it's like you can see it in me you know yeah um, and so I start reading about, like, kind of when I do this mini retirement, I'm reading about these nootropics. And so I start getting into them and I discover this supplement called l theanine And l theanine is this kind of like amino acid that um, negates the effects of caffeine. So I put it in my coffee and I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, it's like I discovered a, a magic potion or something. And and I get like really kind of into stuff. So I'm like, I, I really, I knew that I wanted to have a company like uh, Bulletproof or yeah. On It or Four Sigmatic or all these companies that you see out there. like, that to me, I could always see having like a lifestyle. I love talking about this stuff. If you and I want to do this podcast and just talk about nootropics, I could I could fill an hour easy with it. So, um, in that four hour work week book and in several other like little lifestyle books I've read, it was always about um, the best way to start a business is to kind of look at your bank account and kind of see what you spend your money on and what you know what you like talking about and that's kind of the the marriage. So I had a New Wave in my head forever and ever and ever. And like honestly, if it wasn't for this writing group that I joined. we can talk about yeah Uh, it it sort of forced me to start speaking about it out loud this year and then
0: it sort of just all kind of came together in six weeks so yeah i had the idea forever and then you're talking this writing group we're talking about this is the rite of passage group that you you are with yep and tell, tell us about them
1: Write of Passage is an online community for kind of writing on, uh, you know, branding yourself online and creating a personal monopoly and writing about um, things online. It's by this guy named David Perel. is a real sweet dude. Um, and it, it's, it's God, it seems so hokey and such a scam when I saw it online, it was like, you'll make friends online and you'll bring, bring yourself online. And if any one of my friends showed it to me, I would roll my eyes and be like, you're getting, you're getting ripped off. So, whatever i I was at this job stack overflow before i left and i was really unhappy there and so um i had left like COVID happened i got furloughed and it was this whole thing and i was just mentally fucked up and that writing class came up again and i was like i'm gonna take it because again i knew i was gonna start something Mm -hmm. i was like i'm just gonna start getting out there online i'll I'll be greg online and you know the idea will come to me or something will happen so when you're in these classes and you're writing, you're sharing, your writing with people, um, you get in these little breakout rooms on Zoom. So you're, it's me and you in this room right now. And you're like, what do you like? You know, and you start talking about you. And so the idea of his his um, um, course is discover your personal monopoly. So with Greg Frontiero, you might say Greg loves wrestling and he loves nootropics and he loves technology. And he's in these sales thing. You know, what is all three of those things that can do? So you can sort of write about something that nobody else can kind of take from you. Right. So here, mm-hmm. wise. So I'm talking about nootropics and, and I'm talking about the flow state coffee and um, this gentleman, Robbie Crabb, one of my good friends now uh, who I'd met in the course, just DMs me like, I want to buy this coffee. And I was like, it like doesn't exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, I'll, I'll pay you right now. I'll Venmo you right now and I'll buy it. And it was just like the confidence that he gave me like a stranger on the internet, trying to give you money for something. It's like, my idea is not that stupid. Right. Right? Like it, someone will It was all I needed. And in the weeks later, I'd written the article before I even, I think I had a website. I just sent the article out on the landing page, which is still our website now, which we're working on changing. But um, I I, kind of, I I honestly, I know this is, and I hope this isn't offensive and I don't mean it this way, but like to me, that article felt like coming out. Sure. Thing I had in me, like for years, I wanted to do it. And I was so scared to put that article out in the world, right? Like to say I'm starting this thing. And I was like, in my head, I was like five people, My like, mom will buy one and Rachel yep. will buy one and that will be whatever. And I put it out there and we sold out of our initial run and like we paid for the whole initial run, which is like I thought would take me six to nine months to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that writing course, write uh, a passage, was was truly fundamentally life-changing for me. Like it, it gave me a, a group of like 100 internet friends. Like it, it was not lying, like I have friends yeah, um, and you can see on the on the Twitter like we're all boosting each other's stuff and supporting each other's stuff, and it's like a little Illuminati, I call it. But it's like it's such a great collection of intelligent people. Like you have multimillionaire angel investors in there, CEOs of companies, nice. um, really smart people. Mm-hmm. And I love all my friends and all my family and stuff like that. But I don't really get to talk about a lot of this stuff that I'm interested in read about. You know what I mean? Yeah cares about certain things you care about except for your you you might feel that way about work with your family and friends like not everyone might care about dance you know it's like in the way that you love it or maybe you have something else that's not dance but um. yeah
0: and you know what i found too like i think i'm getting from all this is like you you start something and you you never know the community and the village that's behind you that supports you until you start and until you make that that push to to do it and then you see all of that trickle down effect to all the people that love you and support you and that kind of want you to succeed,
1: yes. TJ, I had people from my kindergarten class, to yeah. order one, like I, just like you know, and again, like people I hadn't thought of in years, all my co workers from all the various jobs, um, uh, that I mentioned so far, friends, family, um, just like like the village that raised me came out, mm-hmm. like it, I, I would be. Lying, if I didn't tear up a little bit when it happened, it's like so. Once it was done, you know, I had this thing where I, I didn't have any like you know money or anything like that to give people or a cool things. So, the only thing I thought I could do is I would write a personal letter to everyone pre ordered. So, I said that you know, everyone who does, I'll write you a pre order. I ended up writing like 200 really personal letters about every single stage of my life, yeah. I'm like, it took me weeks just to like mentally, pro- and when I was done, I was like, that felt like therapy because it was like I literally. Revisited pockets of every aspect of my life, and it was all gratitude and love and good stuff. And it was like, oh man, it was cathartic. It, it feels like, um, feel like all my friends in a movie, like putting me on a boat and sending me off into this new life that I have now, and just being like, it is it? It still gets me.
0: Yeah, and it's that support and that courage that you need to kind of make that next step and keep keep going to all those people behind you. Before you started this coffee line business um what did you know about coffee is it just something that you liked and that you just like drinking or is it something that you really had to research about
1: i'm very glad you asked this question because i think um it's a good time to say that new wave is not a coffee company okay and so new wave is a company like like i mentioned bulletproof i think is a great example and the reason why is because they have everyone knows bulletproof coffee mm-hmm. like bulletproof websites they have tons of stuff for sleep and, and physical products and, and blue light blocking glasses and all that stuff and that we want to be sort of like a biotech company. Okay. Um, So for instance, our next product is going to be a sleep tea and then a product after that. um, We're looking into like um, uh, alcoholic free party drinks and stuff like that. It's going to be a journey. Uh, If if I could perfect like a hangover proof tequila, I would sell that, uh, you know, and we want to do blue light blocking glasses. I want to do things for your nose. You can breathe better sleeping and stuff like that. I have all these ideas for products. So to answer your question, um, I know nothing about coffee. And like when I originally started, I can show you like the the OG design of New Wave Flow State Coffee. It was called New Wave Nootropic Coffee, and it was instant coffee, shitty instant coffee, with the ingredients in there, um, cacao powder instead of like the grinds and stuff. How we how we brew it now, and you just dump it in a cup and make it because I was making Folgers, you know. I okay. Care about coffee, and then so I would drink Folgers by myself. But like the only reason I would drink good coffee is because I work for these great companies, right? Like Twitter's gonna have amazing right. coffee in the office, and all these. That's like the they don't give you uh, you know too much equity in the companies, but they give you really nice coffee. So like yeah, uh, like I I definitely drank good coffee by accident, but I was not like a coffee, and still I'm not a coffee aficionado or a snob. And so when I went to do this company, you know I'm I'm going to make it, and I kind of like I forget who it was but I was talking to someone that like, if you're going to do it, you might as well make it good. I think it was yep. my friend, Dan Tara, but um, basically like I gave him some, uh, so I was like, okay, well now I have to go find a coffee roaster. And so I don't know anything about coffee. So I didn't go to like a manufacturer in China to make this coffee. Right. I called up like goes back to my X days. I was picking up the phone. I was cold calling. Yep. people. And I was cold calling local coffee roasters, and I can't give away who it is that I work with because they're really small and I don't want anyone else to find them. But um, I found this one, and she not only like makes amazing uh, organic – you're drinking organic, fair trade, shade-grown Nicaraguan blend coffee uh, from, from Nicaragua, but she also is willing to mix our ingredients, pack the ingredients, store our shit, um, and ship it. So she really kind of does all the stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we work with partners for all the different things, but um, it, it's like I, 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 I was a week away from going with an inferior coffee, and then a week, maybe two weeks away, or something, from going with like a a, a company that was just kind of like shitty to deal with. Like they made coffees for everyone. Mm-hmm. coffee, like, was was not good. It wasn't bad, but you know, it tasted like a. Hmm, Lower than Starbucks quality or lower than Dunkin' sure. Donuts quality. Yeah, I think with our current brand, like blend, you know, it is ground coffee because it has to be. It has to be ground to put the ingredients in. That's why we can't sell whole bean for ground mm-hmm. coffee. I would
0: put our coffee up against anybody, anybody right now. I think. Oh, absolutely. And like I told you at the beginning of this interview, I waited till today to try it because I knew. Oh, yeah. was- so this is my first time trying it, and it's very low acidity. Like there's not a bite. I notice with some other coffee brands out there, there's, it's really acidic, but it's pretty smooth, and it's got a really good flavor. I usually like drinking black coffee, so that's that's how I drink it, so I really get the full flavor of all of it. Right. And it, um, it's pretty amazing. Tell me about what's inside of it that makes it so special for you.
1: I'd actually really quickly like to tell you the reason why it's so low acidic um, is because the shade grown. And so mm-hmm. this is something that I learned about coffee, um, like, what, three months ago, is that um, when coffee is shade-grown, it gives you kind of lower acidity. So that was like a, um, an accident. Like, you know, we just picked this coffee because it tasted good, but the reason why it's so smooth is because it's grown uh, in the shade. Mm-hmm. So asking about kind of the origin of the coffee, or more are you asking more about the ingredients?
0: What's inside of it? Because there's some some things inside of it that make it very new wave. Yes. So it's 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 coffee
1: with two uh, I guess you can call them supplements in there, and one is L-theanine, and the other, uh, which probably people will know, is just raw cacao. Mm-hmm. So L-theanine um, is an amino acid that is uh, extracted from green tea leaves, mm-hmm. and um, it's odorless and it's flavorless. So you're you're likely not to taste that in there. Um, and then the raw cacao is uh, just you know the rawest form of chocolate basically. And so there's cacao, and then there's cocoa. Um, which a lot of people don't know the difference of like dairy and sugar added. And like, you know, you don't, you don't want to get a cocoa powder from Hershey's Yeah, Uh, not knocking it. It's just, if you want to make brownies, make brownies. But if you're looking for like the health benefits of chocolate, without the bad stuff, you want raw cacao. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't taste the best, but if you kind of uh, mix it with coffee and roast it, it tastes really good. I think it it Mm -hmm. perfectly matches. Like I've had some people that can't taste the cacao at all, like the chocolatey flavor at all. And then some people that really notice the notes, um, but I just think it tastes fantastic and we can get into the benefits if you'd like.
0: Yeah. Oh. There's like a smooth, there's like a buttery taste to it. And I think that's that blend of that the cacao and the coffee together. You can, you notice it when there's a, um, if you drink a lot of coffee, there's uh, if coffee brands that don't have the cacao in it. Um, it's, it has that buttery feel when you, when you mix them together.
1: The, um the, the uh problem with cacao and I, how much I should give away on a podcast. We have like a patented way to make this coffee, basically. Perfect. Um, because if you go ahead and try to add some cacao powder to your brewer, you will have a bad time. Uh, <laughs> there is oils in, in the cacao, and it'll clog up your filter, basically, is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so you'll it'll flood everything, and you won't have much coffee. You could, if you wanted to experiment with it, I think I would re- recommend everyone just take some raw cacao powder and kind of mix it in your cup after you make it. Oh, okay. It really will level your experience up. So just to – I guess probably people are going to want to know why I put these things in the coffee, right? Yeah. So I should talk about that. Um, So L-theanine basically promotes alpha waves in your brain. This is where I'm going to sound very – I always like to say – I sound very Joe Rogan when I start going off on these tangents. But um, your brain has electrical activity going on all the time. It's a spectrum of sort of five brain waves. Um, At one end, it's like your Comatose or deep sleep or dead. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you let's say are getting mauled by a bear, where it's like your brain is very focused on that one problem. It's not really mm-hmm. thinking about that. I leave the oven on. So it's like you have like this high stress brain waves, like very actively solving one problem. The other end is like you're solving no problems because you're dead. Um, and in the middle of the brain waves, which is really what we all want to strive to have, are alpha waves. Mm-hmm. That, your brain is like definitely up and running, but it's not trying to tackle anything major or big. And so Um, You are very high in alpha wave production when you are in the shower or right before bed or during medication, right? Now you kind of Uh see what I'm talking about. Yeah. L-theanine boosts alpha wave brain production. Um, The biggest benefit of L-theanine is it makes you really calm and it makes you really uh, relax, but it does not sedate you. Mm. So what that means is like you could get in the alpha wave state by chugging NyQuil and drinking coffee, but you're going to have a bad time, right? You're going to be very tired. Um, this supplement is synergistic with caffeine. So it basically means you get all of the energy and focus from your cup of coffee, but you feel very relaxed. And this is what kills the jitters. This is what helps you kind of be lower anxiety. Um, That's kind of like your big point. The cacao is basically just mother nature's antidepressant. It is a natural mood booster. It boosts everything from serotonin to dopamine, to um a chemical that is only found in your brain when you are falling in love. Um Ooh. called phenylethamine, I believe. And so it, it's it's the reason why cacao, the translation of cacao is food of the gods, because it does Ooh. all the stuff for you. Um the other fun fact and why you put it in the coffee is because cacao will um your blood vessels when you drink a lot of coffee will constrict, right? And then uh-huh. it takes more coffee to get through, that's why you build a tolerance to coffee. Raw cacao increases the elasticity of your blood vessels. Okay. It allows better blood flow, so you're getting more coffee to the brain. So, like, all of these things in tangent basically means you get, like, the energy and the focus and the mood boost from a cup of coffee, but you're not getting the anxiety. You're not getting the heart rate. You're not getting the jitters. You're not getting the blood pressure negatives. So Mm -hmm. we kind of feel – and the marketing of it is kind of flow state coffee because I'm really big on – and we can talk about this in a second – physiological triggers to kind of activate flow states mm. so it might be a smell it might be hitting a certain song uh for me it's flow state coffee it's like i drink that coffee it, it primes my brain to kind of go into this creative flow state and then i'll kind of start my writing for the day every day with it um i love this coffee i've drank it for five years before we started selling it and you know when you put something like that out into the world it's like a little bit crazy because there's just so many things out there right now that are like anti-jitters or like it beats that 3 p.m. coffee cup it's so marketing and chilly but yeah i mean if you go online which i'm sure you have like art speaks for itself at this point i'm really proud um of the feedback we've gotten and the work we've done and people are really really enjoying the
0: effects of this coffee so it's like i am i could not be happier that people are liking it yeah and there is a great following for it for i mean i knew about it i learned about it probably during the pandemic. Is that when you started going really heavy into the the Flow State Coffee? Yeah, we started the company three months ago. Oh, okay. So you started right in the middle of the pandemic. Yep. And
1: I have no context if it's hard to start a business during a pandemic. It's yeah. all but I can yeah. tell you that I, I, uh, it's not easy, but it's not like impossible. So if you're out there listening to this podcast and you're like, I want to start a, a business, but you know... It's not a good time to start a business. I can tell you that e-commerce has never been higher. Um, people's swan- want to support uh, small businesses has never been higher. Yeah, um, And I think that it's just a fucking fantastic... You got the time. You know, this is a fantastic time to start something.
0: Yeah. And I, I tell a lot of people that's too... People's expectations of things after being stuck inside for three, six, nine, twelve 12 months, their expectation of technology and their expectation of uh, not necessarily products, but their of other things is kind of normalized. We were always living in this need more, want more, uh, need to achieve more. And now we're kind of normalized with this pandemic and people have been like wanting to support and wanting to reach out and wanting to create all of those things.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a real like appreciation of connection now. It feels Mm -hmm. like our connection's broken and like now everyone's sort of prioritizing things that matter and relationships that matter. So maybe that's, that's the thing too. I think maybe I hit an emotional note when I was starting a business or at this time, I think, um, you know, I'd like to think all my same friends and family would have came out and support anyway. But yeah, I, I just, there's so many things where I'm like, I wish I started five years ago when I had the idea. I started earlier. I wish I started earlier, but I think it's just um, if, if, if you're out there, if there's anything you would take away from this podcast and you're thinking like, should I start something now or whatever? I would say, yes, it's a good time to do it.
0: Now you mentioned other products from the, the new wave line. Um, why did you guys, why did you decide to start with coffee first with above tea or other um, things that you were thinking about?
1: It wasn't too conscious of a like. So like the coffee was co- sort of like always the, you know, like when I said I had this idea, it was always the gateway drug. It was always the first thing. Always mm-hmm. like, like, the product that I guess I knew more than any other product that I had all the science behind Elfini and cacao are back for me. Like, so Elfini is not super known, you know, sure, to, like, yeah. like, Tell people that they might like raise an eyebrow, but if you Google Elfini, you Google Elfini and coffee, coffee or caffeine in general, I mean, this goes back to the 1960s. There's little, there's, there's really zero risk. There's, there's nothing but reward. Um, so like, I felt really safe putting that to the world. I knew I've been drinking it for years. So I knew that it wouldn't like, you know, affect people the sleep tea that I come out with next might, you know, might not work for everybody. I don't know. Sure. I haven't run the, you know, I gave this coffee to friends and stuff for a long time. So I just kind of like knew I was, I trusted that it would work. And it's like a pretty, you know, everybody likes coffee, right? It's a pretty it's a commodity. It's easy to get people to try. Um, and yeah, I, 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 you know, I wish I had a great answer for that, but I think it's just the thing that I was the most excited to do.
0: Are you And then Float State Coffee has a, a, a brand uh, motto, and it's uh, we can build the band we want to hear. Why did you choose to use that as your brand motto?
1: Yeah, so uh, the lyric, we can be the bands we want to hear, is um, a lyric from a band called Against Me. Uh, it's a punk rock band from South Florida that I've liked my whole life. And um, they put out this really great album with a titular song that is called New Wave. And W, oh. like the, per- the correct pronunciation of New Wave. And so that's why the company is called New Wave. And so we can be the bands we want to hear. It means so many things to me, but just to kind of like TLDR it for your audience out there. Like mm-hmm. when I heard that lyric, it was, it, it's just a way of saying, like, you can do the thing that you are thinking of in your brain the way you're thinking of doing it in your brain. You know, like a lot of people who are out there might be like, I want to start a business but first i gotta go get an MBA, or first you know i gotta do these things but in the back of your head you kind of like i don't need to do this you know all i really need to do is open a lemonade stand outside and just start yeah. um My the best example of we can be the bands want to hear is, is my friend kai who makes our shirts the tie-dye shirts that just came out today he just does it he just does stuff mm-hmm. you'll never sit you'll never find kai like reading business books or just that he's very um high agency and where he's just going to do something for the sake of doing it. And he does more, I think, in, in years that I think that people do their, their you know their whole lives because they're they're kind of stuck. But but you know, and, and and I say people, I mean myself. Like I was stuck for mm-hmm. years. And so that song is like this this it, 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 it's this thing that's like, you know, you can do the thing you're thinking of. And when that's kind of what we want to support, you know, with the other tagline for Flow State Coffee is it's coffee for creativity. You want to specifically work with creators we want to sponsor creators the way that like gatorade might sponsor athletes like mm-hmm. you know, it's just to say like like you know you can do it we can we can we support these things we can be these bands these this make these movies do these these you know projects you know paintings things like that like whatever you're thinking of in your brain like we want you to kind of drink this coffee to fire something in your brain and you'd be like hey, i'm gonna go do the thing um and so I'm, I'm just hoping it's a punk rock rallying cry to like you know we can we can be the bands we want to hear and that's uh It'll probably be on my tombstone at this point. I've said it somewhere.
0: <laughs> I was reading it, and I loved it because it was a, a total new wave thinking, um, a new age thinking. Um, if you want to do something, like you said, just go out and do it. Kind of stop putting the obstacles in your way. Tap yourself on the shoulder and say, move out of my way and kind of do it. And that's, I, I read it and I said, oh, this is kind of how I want to live my life. And this is like a really great motto for creating things that you don't see out there, yeah. as small or as big as you need, as you need for all of them.
1: And it's really important to do too. I mean, if you like the Steve Jobs quote, I think that's pretty synonymous out there, where it's like everything that you see in the world was created by someone who's like no better or smarter than you. And it's so true. So it's like you owe it to the world to do the thing you're thinking of. You you do like you 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 have to express something. You don't you, like if you trust me. I started this company with an email to my friends. Like that's it. I sent an email. Yeah. And said, like, I'm doing this thing. Here, here's a button to click that gives me money if you want to support it. It's almost like a Patreon or a Kickstarter, right? Like, people pre-ordered this with no proof that they had, like, a product coming. And they did it because they believed. But I think it's because they could sense that I believed. Like, I knew it was yeah. time. I was starting something. And, yeah, like, you don't need the permission anymore. That's the cool thing about mm-hmm. the robot. You don't need permission to do something. You can just do it. So if you're waiting for permission, this is me uh, and TJ giving you permission right now to start something.
0: Yeah. And do you, I mean, you talked about it earlier in the podcast. Uh, you wanted to work for yourself. You wanted to be a entrepreneur, sole entrepreneur. How do you feel now that you are a sole entrepreneur? Uh,
1: fucking, I, I'm going to say fucking great, man. Like I, I want to give a humble answer and be like, you know, nothing really changes and stuff like that. But it, it's, it's true. Like in some ways, nothing changes in some ways, everything changes. Like, You know, eventually the the orders coming in just sort of become, like, normal, and it's, um, I mean, it's still magic every single time, but it's, like, you know, you start to think of scale and businesses and things like that, but, like, you know, every day I wake up and it's, like, fucking cool because I get to use the part of my brain that solves these puzzles, and, you know, it's the opposite of how I felt at Twitter. I felt like a cog in a machine, Mm -hmm. Now I'm building the machine and it's really difficult to build a machine. It's really easy and relaxed to be. So it's stressful in a way that I'm constantly thinking about the business. And like it's just, you know, for everyone out there who has one, it's just they, they know, but like it's hard to, it's lonely at times. You can't really talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, but like I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. I feel so good every day. It's the happiest I think I've ever been in my entire life right now.
0: And it's, and you know, I think about this a lot people, the cliche saying of you shouldn't do something that you don't love to do. And then for, for so long in my twenties and thirties, I was doing things that I loved, but for other people. And then the moment when you just kind of work for yourself, it's just like, Oh, now it kind of falls into place. And you're like, I get that cliche now. Thank you. Yes,
1: it's um. I hope it never gets old.
0: Um, I was, I've been asking everybody about this. Um, in 2015, when somebody asked you where you wanted to be in five years, of course we would never have seen a pandemic coming. But where do you see yourself and your brand in the next five years? Um, you know, I have like I I am a goal oriented person. I do
1: have goals. Um, they're really boring. And they're pretty pretty benign. But uh, the short answer, I think that would that that is very honest. Is I hope I'm doing the same thing. I hope I'm I hope I'm you know obviously evolving and and growing the business it, it should look very different than it looks today um but i hope i'm still working on new it and i like i announced when i was working on this the whole point i started this is what is something i could work on for like 10 years rather than yeah. quitting quitting all these jobs and starting and quitting and starting and quitting so i i hope i'm fortunate enough and lucky enough to be able to be doing this in a few years i hope i'm able to get back into the wrestling ring and kind of have some sort of uh this is really Lame to say out loud, because I've said his name before, and I need you to know that I'm not like a big Joe Rogan guy because I don't listen to his podcast. They're just very long and kind of like not my style all the time. Yeah, but I like him as a man, and I'll tell you why. Because he is like a comedian. He's like uh, owns this like kind of supplement company with Onnit. He is like mm-hmm. a UFC commentator and like has that podcast. And like, man, if I think about like a really cool life, it would be able to like do something like I'm doing with you today, talking to you. Uh, have my my company where I sell my biohacking weird, wacky products that I love to talk about, something involving professional wrestling, um being able to travel a lot, which is thanks to the pandemic, I think we all are gonna be able to do in the next five years. so to mm-hmm. be um, really just doing the same thing I've been doing um, without a global pandemic happening.
0: Yeah, did you think that pandemic kind of helped you solidify these thoughts? Did you yeah. ever did you fall? I know I, I'm nervous because I I ask myself, did I fall into a depression for all of this, or did I find myself uh, with more answers? How did you fare during the pandemic?
1: Both, both for sure. Yeah. Like it, it was. It's and anybody who like I've seen I've seen that it's very like live laugh love kind of tweet that you see people saying like if all you did was make it through this year, that's enough. But it's really true. Like if like if this is the most hardest year for everybody in the entire world, hands down. Like it just. <laughs> I got furloughed, right? I didn't know if I was going to get my next paycheck and I eventually got fired. And I, you know, it's been tough uh, in a relationship and in the same home. And, you know, Rachel was in dangers of, of you know, maybe losing her business. It's like right. all of this stress and your friends or everyone you talk to, your family, you know, people are getting sick, people are dying. It's like, so there's no question about it that it was like a depressing, hard year. With that said, it's strange to say it might be the best year of my life. You yeah. Know, in hindsight, it really, did kind of activate something in me that it wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. I needed the pressure and I needed the time and I had Mm -hmm. the pandemic. And, you know, I I stopped drinking during the pandemic just because I was more of a social drinker and now it's been 10 months is that a drink? Like, you know, I I, in Florida instead of New York, like all these things that like probably would have been different. um, I don't, I don't know if I would have started without the pandemic. So I am grateful for the pandemic. I wish it didn't take something like this and hopefully it doesn't take something like this for me to start necessary changes going forward.
0: Yeah, I needed that slowdown. I needed the the pause to kind of reevaluate everything in my head. Then, then I was able to like slowly unravel and move forward a little bit more.
1: Do you feel uh, very the way I do, especially optimistic this new year for twenty twenty one? It feels like we're turning the corner, and I feel like a lot of people found that in themselves: new places, new jobs, new relationships, things like that.
0: Completely, and I maybe this is a um, I'm in the minority of this thinking, but I as bad as health and the pandemic was i didn't think last year was a terrible year for me at all I had I had fun doing new creative things you know really branching out and doing technical things online and kind of pivoting and rethinking about things that I normally wouldn't have been able to was the fun part for me and kind I of you what
1: you guys did i don't know how much of the like fourth wall' we're breaking here but like what you guys did with dance dimensions um when I'm, and I'm not saying this because you're on the show and I've I've said this in private, I'll say this to anybody who asks, what you guys did to turn that company into a into a modern day company, setting up Zooms and high definition cameras and turning the performance into like a music video. I am promising you, that I'm telling you this from the bottom of my heart. I work with giant tech companies. I have friends in Google, Facebook and Twitter and stuff so, and you know, couldn't figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. You guys figured that out and like, and and actioned it and like made it successful. And I think like that story of mm-hmm. and surviving and getting into this kind of era is, should be in business books, should be taught in like Harvard business reviews like that to me was inspiring. So not in like, you know, Rachel figuring out how to work zoom and never heard of it yep. before. Like that's insane. You know yeah. I mean? We it's- take it for granted, I think. And, and it's, you should, because that's just such an important, like such a like impressive, truly genuinely, the word impressive uh, what you guys did.
0: No, I, I really do believe that too and as as the pandemic was starting to unfold and people were needing new ways to present things in the back of my mind i always thought if you weren't making that step to pivot and to try new things and push your business forward 10 years then yeah. when business started coming around again you wouldn't be there
1: yeah so true so it's spent everything up five years and like it really did. I think, and this is not true of business, but it hits on the full circle. What we're talking about here, like this year revealed people's characters deeply. And I think Mm -hmm. you find out if you're the type of person to adapt and like go forward, or if you're the type of person that's going to get beaten by something. And, um, fortunate that a lot of people I know and and myself and yourself did the opposite. Yeah, for sure. So it'll go down as one of those talking head VH one years where we all just remember where we were. And, uh,
0: yeah. yeah. And we got a new renaissance. I mean, you got, you got a new brand. You got new merch. I woke up this morning and I saw an email from you about tie-dyed t-shirts. I'm all about it. I just yeah. wear a, a bleach dyed one for, for this. Um, and I'm drinking your coffee. And it's, yeah. it's incredible what you did in the past. You said five years. I mean, it's been in your head, but in the past three, six months, you know, during the pandemic, really pushing this out. It's been incredible.
1: Yeah, it's uh, my entire, you know, I know that the theme of this season for you is new beginnings. And mm-hmm. Beginning for me was like September. So I really waited to the end of the year to get it, but I got it. And so the last three months into to
0: today just feels like a completely different life.
1: And it's a good one. So.
0: And it's unfolded so rapidly, too. I get emails from you. I'm on your, I subscribe to your emails, So it's like every week, it's kind of a new thing and it seems like it's un- unfolding pretty quickly for you, which is amazing and incredible. And I can't wait to see where it all goes. Where can everybody find you online? Um, the
1: best is Twitter. That's where I'm the most active. Uh, my handle is uh, SFW as in safe for work, Greg. So SFW, G R um, E G. Quick story about the handle. I started as a joke because I joined the writing group and I thought I was going to fail. So I would just make this account as a safe for work account and then delete it. Uh And then we became like more me than my actual handle, which is just like lurking and retweeting wrestling accounts. So like SFW, Greg, like I'm extremely active there. I love talking to people. Um, You can email me at uh, greg at newwave.co. But um, yeah, if you want to support and check the coffee
0: out, that's where to find us. It's N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greg. And I know you mentioned earlier that you think you're completely average, but Mm -hmm. I mean, your reinventions from tech companies to then moving into being a pro wrestler and then starting this new brand. uh, It's been, it's incredible. New inventions all the time.
1: It sounds impressive when you say it, but I promise you, you know, I'm painfully average. And uh, for anyone else, like you can do it. You can be the bands you want to hear. So, yeah,
0: well, for for what you think being painfully average, it's it's incredible what you're doing. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow Ease Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.